Welcome to Encouraging Truths for Today. We're glad to bring you this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. Now please join us as we learn to grow deeper in our relationship with God and each other. But on the other hand, hasn't it puzzled you at times that someone would enter into uh, the life of a church, uh, they would be involved, they would be serving, seem to have a high level of excitement about the things of God, uh, maybe do that for lengthy periods of time and then somehow defect from that, never to look back as if it never happened. Have you ever seen that happen in people's lives? And you're just puzzled because there's no evidence that Christ ever had any impact on their life at all. And to try to re-reach them is virtually impossible. Some would say they fell from a relationship with Christ, but I believe it was a false conversion at some point or a false sense of security uh, because they had churchianity, but maybe not Christianity at times, or they had head knowledge without a life-changing conversion experience. And so as we come to the end of 2 Peter chapter 2, it describes that situation. When you look at this passage, one of the first things you might ask is, is this simply talking about false teachers or is it talking about false teachers and those who follow them or is it just talking about those who follow them? I believe it's talking about both. I believe everything that's true about a false teacher is reflected in the lives of those that are following them. Where they go, those who are listening to them will follow. So everything we're about to read perhaps will shed light upon that reality of how someone could come so close but still remain so far from God and from a personal relationship with Christ. So let's look together at 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through chapter 2, verses 20 to 22, as we think about this deadly deception that leads to spiritual defection. Having talked about all the qualities of a false teacher and their motives and their methods, it says in verse 20 of 2 Peter 2, for if after... They have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness 
and having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Let's pray together. Father, even in those beginning descriptions, I found my heart heavy for those that I've known that have fallen prey to all of that. Father, I pray that we would be so filled with the truth and so focused on the truth that we would be quick to discern that which is false. And so, Father, today I, I thank you for those of us who have come to that place where you have transformed who we are, that we are now in Christ. Our identity and our eternity are sealed in that. Father, I pray as we live and walk in that, that today your word would just speak to us. And so I pray that you would do that very thing, that you would speak. Because unless you speak, I have nothing at all to say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the passage we just read, when you think about those who are false teachers, who have faulty followers that miss the point of Christ and his whole demand for a commitment and a loyalty to him. It's just hard to fathom that. But with a false teacher, some people come into that with somewhat of a background and a basic understanding of God perhaps. And they they get right up to that point and then the false teacher detours them around that and they they never make that commitment or that understanding of Christ. They get on the other side of that and all they hear about are all these blessings that come, uh, but they fail to really enter into that relationship. And so people might say, well, they still talk about Jesus. Well, if they're not talking about a, a biblical Jesus, That's false doctrine, isn't it? If they're preaching a different Jesus, they're preaching a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. We know what the Apostle Paul said about that. If anyone, even an angel, were to do that, he said in Galatians, let them be accursed. And so we don't want to preach a distorted Christ, which becomes a a different gospel. We want to preach the gospel of the scriptures. So let's look into this passage. Let's talk about some things that characterize this 
deadly deception in a person's life that would cause them to spiritually defect from the true faith. First of all, they experience correction without conversion. It says in verse 20, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now back up and look at verse 19. While they promise them liberty, speaking of the false teachers promising people liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. And so the the word there, corruptions and pollutions, in verse 20, would be referring basically the same thing. They have escaped those, but then the picture is they went back into that. Now, some people escape that, but then they, they try to bring that into what they call their, their uh, newfound faith. And there's a, a, a subtle combining of that which is worldly and that which is holy. And, and it, it never works. And so it says after they have escaped from that, from the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are again overcome. How does that happen? It, it says they escaped. They removed themselves from that. Perhaps came into a church fellowship and began to experience some things and see some things differently. It says they had a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we all know that hopefully that knowing about Jesus is very different than really knowing Jesus. Having a religion that centers on Jesus is very different than having a relationship with him. And so you see the tragedy here. They they corrected their lifestyle somewhat. They, they made a correction there, but they did so without a conversion. They stopped short of what Christ had to offer. Uh, one way to say it is they had religion, but no regeneration. Do you know the difference in that? If you were attending church prior to coming to Christ, you know the transition I'm talking about. You had a religion that made you feel somewhat better. You were correcting some of your thinking and some of your ways. But when you were born again or regenerated, that was so much more of reality than just making some corrections in your life. So one of the tragedies is that in many churches, the spiritual level is so low that a person can come in, make some corrections, and end up in leadership, and it it really becomes a very unregenerate fellowship. And so here the false teacher and those who follow them are people that do make some corrections. They, They have a head knowledge. They have a habit adjustment. 
They're somehow managing their sins differently, perhaps, but there's never been a heart change. It's that reality of coming into the kingdom of God and knowing that you are now in Christ and by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ dwells in you and you've been sealed for the day of redemption. It's a completely different thing than just making a few course adjustments or corrections in your life. And there's really no advantage to the correction without the conversion because God works from the inside out. He doesn't just want to change what we do. He transforms who we are. I'm not who I was before I came to Christ. And thank God I'm, I'm not mature in that yet, but I'm moving toward that. And I'm not just left to make corrections on my own, but the Holy Spirit is developing within me a Christ-like character that hungers for the things of God. And so it says they, they had a knowledge of him, but they became again entangled in the world, the pollutions of the world or the corruptions. So false teachers and those who follow them are simply moved from one spiritual bondage to another. And the second is even greater. While they promise them liberty, it says in verse 19, they themselves are slaves of corruption For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Very seldom do you see a person come back out. especially a false teacher. So they have correction without conversion. In in this description also, they have carnality without cleansing. Now, carnality simply refers to our human nature and our flesh. They have this carnal nature about them without any real spiritual cleansing through the blood of Christ. Notice the second part of verse 20, they are again entangled in them and overcome. Up the first part of verse 20 uh, tells us what them is. They are entangled in them, the pollutions of the world. The word pollutions means filthy things and contaminations. They are recontaminated, so to speak. They have become filthy in their flesh once again. They have experienced that return of corruptions that they seemed to overcome when they made a move away from that towards some essence of faith, but failed to truly come to Christ. They had made a 
changed, but now they are once again overcome by them. Now here's the reality of a person who's truly converted. They have been overcome by Christ. They have been captivated by Christ. And when Christ has overcome them and conquered them and he is Lord and master of their lives, those who have been overcome by Christ become overcomers in Christ. Not that we become sinless or perfect, but we have a a measure of victory in our lives. We are overcomers in Christ because we have been conquered and overcome by Christ. Now, to do the opposite, to come in, take a step forward, then step or steps backward is to overcome the world to an extent, but then be overcome and never return is the picture here. Carnality without cleansing. Do you remember what it was like that first experience of knowing that you've been cleansed by Christ of your sin? We don't depend upon our feelings and feelings can be so different at that moment, but some have expressed the, the lifting of a weight off of their shoulders or the wiping clean of a conscience that now they are clean before the Lord or just overwhelmed with the grace and mercy of God in light of the overwhelming sinfulness in their lives and the overwhelming grace of God flooding and removing that. Can you imagine going through life never being cleansed of your sin by the blood of Jesus? Can you imagine going through life somehow trying to atone for your sin by good deeds? Can you imagine trying to to improve enough to earn God's favor? How foolish that would be and how faulty that would be when Christ has accomplished that on the cross for us. So here are people now pulled back into that worldliness having never been overcome by Christ and now they are overcome completely by the world and their second state is worse than the first. It speaks here of them being entangled. That word entangled means to interweave or intertwine. Think about the last time you tried to untangle computer cables or kite string or maybe even a shoestring, all the knots and the tangling and and how difficult it is. And sometimes you try to loosen it, but you're actually tightening it because it's so intertwined. it's, It's so intertwined, it's almost inseparable. That's the picture here. And it says they did that to themselves. It literally means to entangle yourself in the world. 
that's what seems to be so shocking about someone who came so close and they came right there to where it looked like their life was being transformed and then for them to turn and willingly entangle themselves in the world, how strange that is. But that's exactly the picture that's being drawn here in Scripture. They were dependent upon their willingness and ability to reform rather than God's willingness and ability to redeem. There's a big difference in reforming your ways and being redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So they were carnal with no cleansing. To be cleansed and redeemed and transformed by the grace of God is to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. They came so close, but they were not cleansed, and therefore they entered back into that carnality. But then the end of verse 20 gives us another picture. It says the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. They were overcome. Now they have corruption without conscience. Completely overcome. Not just entangled, but overcome. And the latter end is worse than the first. Corruption without conscience. I remember the departure of a Sunday school teacher I had in high school. His departure didn't begin on this evening, but it was made clear on this evening. It was a Monday evening. I was in high school and some of us decided to go to a time of making visits. So while we were out visiting, we decided we'd go by and encourage our Sunday school teacher. Music was kind of loud, so we had to knock pretty hard. He answered the door with alcohol in his hand, a vulgar T-shirt on, and a raging party behind him. I don't know who was more shocked, us or him. I mean, what do you say at that point? I don't really remember what we said, but he never taught us again. It was just strange. Going through the motions, no life change, heart change. I'm not saying that a filthy T-shirt and alcohol is evidence of a raging maniac or anything, but it was just sinful. The whole thing was just sinful. 
how heart-wrenching it was and how that ended our evening because we just didn't know what to do with all of that. But have you noticed that some who could be so involved in fellowship in a church can spiritually defect, live in the world and like the world and love the world and never have any conviction of their sin and thinking that they're still okay. How does that happen? I know from personal experience I'm quickly convicted by the Holy Spirit in my life. I quickly feel that sense that I have grieved him or I have quenched him or I've dishonored Christ or I've, I've failed my heavenly father. I, I have that sense, not just of conscience, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit that he will not let me get away with it. But the picture here is they sin without conscience and their lives are full of corruption. That's one of the dangers of false teaching. When the gospel is centered on you and not on Christ, it leads to this. I've even heard people in that condition criticize petty things about the church that would keep them from coming. Have you ever noticed that? I've heard them say, well, I just can't find a church that believes like I do. Is that a statement about the church or is that a statement about their spiritual condition? I would think it would be the latter. Well, then finally, they've moved from correction without conversion to carnality without cleansing, corruption without a conscience, now condemnation without consciousness. They're living under the condemnation of God and are not even aware of that. Look at the end of verse 20. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning, for it would have been better. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Now remember the false teachers in verse 12 were described as brute beasts or just animals who are living by their desires. And so it says it would have been better had they not even tasted it than to turn back from it. But verse 22 says, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit. I'm not gonna ask you if you've witnessed that because it will turn my stomach to even think about that. Or a sow 
coming clean, or it could literally mean trying to become clean in the miry muck in which she lives. They're, they're acting like animals with these animalistic instincts that are so detrimental and so destructive. It, it goes full circle here. It talks about them being brute beasts. Now it's saying they're acting just like a dog, returning to his vomit or a, a sow, wallowing in the mire. And in the midst of that, it talks about a donkey that speaks to someone who was supposed to be a prophet. The miracle is that God could say anything godly and good, which he did through Balaam, not that he spoke through a donkey. That depraved defection of their lives that has made them calloused to the truth. It kind of echoes a scene that Jesus describes in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, just keep in mind that phrase of 2 Peter 2. It would have been better for them had they not. Matthew 12, verse 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man and he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none, then he says, I'll return to my house from which I came. When he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Just that that personal reformation of someone's life, just kind of cleaning things up. He goes back, takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Now to whom was he speaking when he said that? If you have a red letter Bible, you look back to where the black letters are in verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, teacher, We want to see a sign from you. He was talking about men and addressing men who had a religion but had rejected the very God they claimed to worship. It wasn't like he was talking to some pagan that was just getting worse and worse and worse, but it was somebody that was trying to make themselves better in a sense not realizing that you cannot make yourself better. Only God can make you clean and right before him. And it says the last state is worse than the first. Very similar. Peter was within earshot of that teaching. One commentator says this, these men were worse off because they have rejected the forgiveness of their past sins and so they continue to bear them personally. They have incurred even greater culpability by flouting that gospel after once having known it. And thus they have rejected the source of salvation. 
Their future ability to resist sin has been fatally weakened by their returning to embrace it. They have a false sense of security, we could say, and are securely senseless in their condition. And the latter state is worse than the first. It would have been better had they never known. I remember when I was young, we had an evangelist in our church and he preached a sermon one night about the man that kissed the door to heaven and then went to hell. You may have already guessed it was about Judas. Jesus, the very door to heaven. Perhaps no one came any closer to a position of salvation than Judas and then rejected it. I mean, he witnessed the miracles. He participated in the feeding of the 5,000 plus. He, He was part of that. He was on the boat. He was in the ship. He was around when so much happened. He heard so much good teaching. He had all of that and, and somehow he had reformed his ways, but he had never, ever come to a life-changing knowledge and understanding of Christ. And as the evangelist said, he kissed the very door of heaven and then turned and went to hell. So sad description here are people who or false teachers, perhaps publicly in a pulpit or in a classroom or simply influencing people in their realm of influence. But can you imagine someone going to hell by way of a pulpit or someone going to hell by the way of a sanctuary? That's the picture here. It calls us all to examine our hearts. It calls us all to look at our desires and the influences in our lives that come to us from the world. So I ask you this morning, have you been converted? You might say, well, I joined the church. I'm not asking that. Have you been converted? Have have you been transformed by the grace of God? Are you in Christ and his Christ by the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? Have you been truly converted? Do you have a life-changing, mind-altering understanding of Christ? And are you under the command of Christ right now? You might say, well, I've been converted, but, but you know, mentally I've been slipping in some areas. I've been thinking about things I shouldn't. With my eyes, I've been looking at things I shouldn't. I've been going places I shouldn't. I've been interacting with people I shouldn't. I've been saying things I shouldn't. But yeah, I've been converted. Well, the question is, have you been converted and are you living under the command of Christ? Is, is he Lord of your life? You, you don't want to slip. You don't want to slide. You don't want to drift. You want to stay as close to him as possible. 
We would like to thank you for joining us for this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. First Baptist desires to be a house of prayer with a heart for people, making a difference by making disciples from our neighborhood to the nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, please visit www.firstcrockett.org. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you.